0: This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com, on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid, here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us. Got a show coming up tonight uh, that'll include a chat with myself and Richard Quarle a little bit later on. We'll also hear from new Dick Johnson racing driver Will Davison about his new signing with the team and also a F1 update from Dale Rogers. But first, the news, and as we said, Dick Johnson Racing has announced their new team for 2021 and also announced the technical guru Ludo Lacroix will be staying on with the team in 2021. It was unsure Crab would stay with the team after Team Penske's withdrawal and also the departure of Scott McLaughlin as a full-time driver to IndyCars. However, the Frenchman will stay in 2021, and provide stability in the back end with the arrival of the team's two new drivers, Anton De Pasquale and Will Davison. Let's listen to Will and Anton, along with Dick Johnson and Ryan Story, talk about the new look DJR for next year.
1: 2020 was a year that promised a lot for me, and um, you know everything that went down uh, was yeah it was it was a tricky year being on the sidelines. But uh, yeah, to to effectively uh, be back at DJR where my career started. Um, yeah, is an amazing feeling. You know, I feel like I've got a lot of things I want to achieve in the sport and, um, you know, obviously to join this team, um, rich with history, um, but obviously coming off so much
2: success in the last sort of uh, three years. I was racing in the main game for a few years and uh, I feel like I'm ready to step up into a, into a bigger team and to a bigger opportunity. So super excited to be here and uh, can't wait to get
0: started. Will is a known commodity because he's been here before and, uh, and raced with the team. Still a lot of the people that were here then are still here now. So he he fits in very easily. And Anton, I think Anton's at a stage pretty much where Scott was when he first joined the team in 2017. So I think it's gonna be a really good
3: combination. Will's been a wonderful asset to the championship for many years. He started his career right here at Dick Johnson Racing. And in Anton, we've got a young driver who's got enormous potential. He's already got a win under his belt. And plenty of podiums to go with it and we sure he can add to his tally in his tenure here at Dick Johnson Racing.
1: Um, you know I've been in the sport quite a long time and still feel like um, you know I've got plenty of pace but I've got a lot of experience as well um, so you know I realize how important the, the relationship is for us to, to work together and to work with the team to um, obviously both get uh, success for the whole team so
2: uh, I'm sure he's uh, got some big things ahead of him. I'm still early on in my career so to still be teamed up with an experienced race winner, championship contender, Bathurst winner, stuff like that is awesome. Um, We'll be able to work together really well, help each other and uh, hopefully as a team we can uh, we can keep the the cars at the front. In Will Davison we have experience and a guy who's super quick. In Anton Di Pasquale we've got a young gun ready to race, ready to win. I've obviously been driving the Holden for a few years, so there'll be little traits of that, which I'll have to work out the differences for the Mustang, work out how to get the speed of the car, work with the crew and uh, understand why and how and all those little things, but I'm super excited. It's obviously shown its speed on track the last few years. So I'm uh, really excited to get on, uh, yeah, on board and have a car.
0: Thanks to Supercars Media for that audio. Will Davison, as we said, to join us shortly on the show. Off Western Oil's Touring Car Masters six-round schedule for season 2021 has been revealed. TCM will steer off in late January at Simmons Plains Raceway in Tasmania before a TBA round two set for March. Rounds three, four and five will be part of the Shannon's Motorsport Australia Championships. The Motorsport Park in May, Morgan Park in July and Sandown in September. The finale will be held at the Bathurst International, at a date yet to be set in either November or December. The 2018 Porsche Pace Carrera Cup Australia champion Jackson Evans has been included in the driver lineup for the Dempsey Proton Racing team for this weekend's 8-hour of Bahrain, the final round of the 1920 FIA World Endurance Championship. The Porsche Junior, who recently added the 2020 Porsche Carrera Cup France Championship to his resume, was a front-runner for the Porsche Mobile One Super Cup this year for BWT Lechner Racing clinching the opening round of the season in Spielberg, Austria. Evans also completed in the inaugural 24 Hours of Le Mans virtual race with Porsche Esports earlier this year and won the Porsche Junior Shootout back in 2018. If you want to catch Jackson Evans, you can do that via the WEC app. or the action live there. The Australian Grand Prix has retained its spot as the opening Grand Prix of the year for the 2021 season. A 23-race provisional calendar has been announced and Albert Park will play host to Round 1 with race day scheduled for the 21st of March. Dale Rogers joins us later with an F1 update. And in MotoGP, Andrea Divisioso has announced he's having a year off. Next year, after losing his seat at the Ducati factory team, and as admitted through his manager, he had no plan B. Meanwhile, Andrea Ioni has received an 18-month suspension for use of a banned substance. That's the news. Let's get into the show. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. All right, time to have a listen to Will Davis and have a chat. Of course, he is proudly sponsored by Doric and one of our great mates of the program, Tom Arcioli from Doric, caught up with Will for a chat about his new role at Dick Johnson Racing and how he thinks that might go for him.
2: Hi, everyone. Uh, My name's Tom, and I am here with Doric and Kiago Racing Ambassador, Will Davison, to talk about some really exciting news. Hello, Willie. Hello, Tom. Mate. The, the, the cat's out of the bag, the story's out, you're confirmed for 2021 as a full-time driver at Dick Johnson Racing. How excited are you?
1: Yeah, thanks, Tommy. Um, yeah, hugely excited. Um, been a weird year and, you know, plenty of uncertain moments, um, plenty of soul searching, but, you know, I've never, never lost faith and, you know, I've always kept my head down and, um, you know, it's been feels like it's been forever. Now I look back from that moment at Albert Park when um, the Grand Prix was shut down and then only a few weeks later to have lost my drive. Um, I can't believe the way it's panned out, Um, you know, and uh, yeah, we've we've worked really hard to try and get this opportunity. And um, I just never quite knew till the ink was on the paper that it was going to actually happen. But um, obviously to be in the game full time was step number one, but then to do it the championship winning team and car, um, is just unbelievable. It's, it's such a good feeling to know I've got such a great opportunity ahead of me. And, um, you know, I never, never lost faith, but uh, these opportunities don't come around very often. So uh, just, yeah, massively thrilled. You know, all my supporters have been amazing this year. And, um, you know, I'm just pumped that I can go back racing and, and
2: you know, hopefully uh, achieve some great things. So how did it come about? How did this deal come about for you?
1: Um, you know, I, from, you know, the moment everything went pear-shaped for me, um, you know, I was on the phone to, to lots of people, all the teams, and um, certainly very early on, I was contacted by uh, Ryan Story at DJR, and, um, you know, it was one of those little phone calls, and I had so many of them over the, the course, of, course of six months, but uh, it's one of those little ones very early on that obviously picked my spirits up a little bit. But it was very far from anything in concrete. It was just touching base. Um, you know, we've certainly got an interest in you and let's just keep talking. Um, and bit by bit, you can imagine, I was just uh, very, very keenly, um, you know, very, very keenly attacking that option. It was always priority one for me and plan A. Um, but in the meantime, I had plan B, C, D in place and the balls were always moving and opportunities were, you know, there was lots of interest out there, but actually getting the opportunities to, to life it was tricky and uh, was playing a lot of poker. And even as of over a few weeks ago at Bathurst, you know, I, I just didn't quite know which way the balls would land. And, you know, I was holding everything out for this opportunity at DJR. Um, I've been in regular contact with them and um, it's just been a long process. They've obviously had some changes in their ownership. Um, so I never lost faith, faith that they wanted me in the team. It was just trying to get it all together and, um, you know, finally, just after Bathurst, I got the call that everything was good to go and uh yeah, it was uh, yeah, pretty emotional moment for Rihanna and I and uh, uh, yeah, it just finally felt like a few things were, were going our way, and that's just life, you know, when you get hit in the face and and sort of dealt a couple of blows, you can either sink or swim and I'm really proud with the way we, we dealt with the year and you know, I think we've just only become stronger from what we were dealt with this year and uh, it's easier now, in hindsight, to say that. But you know, even if this deal didn't happen, I know you know we, we did everything we could and um, to get this opportunity. And uh, just yeah, it feels feels really special now that it's out there. I've been into the workshop. I've got to meet the team and see the way they operate is uh, so
2: cool. I feel like a kid in a candy store. You said you've been to meet the team. So do you get a chance to get your uh, driver's seat sitting, ready to go, and get your foot on the accelerator before Christmas? Yes, yeah, I've sat, sat in the cars already,
1: and uh, I'll do my seat actual seat mold this week. But uh, certainly, have jumped in their cars and and sort of had a bit of a look around at you know the way their ergonomics work and the way their cockpit designs laid out. And um, you know, I've had a bit of a play around with some creature comfort stuff, uh, which is pretty awesome. They're a really impressive team. Um, so already asking me what you know my preferred. Um, you know, lots of little things in the car, but what my preferred com- comforts are with with throttles and um, seats and steering wheels and um, clutch feels, brake master cylinder feels. You know, a lot of little things, which sometimes you don't get that uh, luxury. Um, but certainly, there they they go the extra mile to 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 make the drivers as comfortable as possible. So it's a seriously well oiled machine. I'm I'm really impressed with what I've seen so far, and uh, yeah, just massively excited. So you're going to get a drive of the car before Christmas? Yes. Yeah. We've got um, next week, actually, there's a, uh, there's a sponsor, a couple of sponsor ride days and even a, a tie test for supercars where um, they're, they're potentially introducing a different compound tyre. So uh, yeah, certainly very happy that I'm, I'm going to be able to go into Christmas with some feeling, not necessarily a test day, so to speak, but at least a feeling of what their cars are like and, give me something to think about over the break. Um, You know, as we all know, testing is really limited in this category. So generally there's only one day of testing before you go to the first race. So if you're spending that whole day in a new team, um, you know, as your first day, you you know, you only get half a day by the time you've sorted your seat position and all your comfort out, uh, you really lose half a day of testing. So to be able to knock all those sort of little details out of the way this year, yeah, will certainly carry us in good stead uh, for next year. Because there is always a settling in process with a new team, no matter how good the team is. Um, Just me understanding the car and how they tune it and, you know, understanding the lingo with their engineers. And there's a settling in process, but, um, you know,
2: we'll do all we can to, to fast track that and make sure we hit the ground running at the first race next year. So you say you're doing a tyre test. So what does a tyre test involve? So do you do long runs, short runs? Do you just get the mercy of supercars? So what do you do at a tyre test? Yeah, totally at the mercy of
1: supercars. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll check in with you after that. Um, I don't entirely know, but uh, I've done one years ago and generally they'll, you know, they'll run a, a current compound tyre that they use now and you'll do a qualifying simulation and then maybe a race stint of 20 or 30 runs and then whatever they're, new proposed tyre is, they'll they'll back-to-back it. So you'll again do a qual simulation run to compare the peak outright speed of the tyre. And then you'll also do a a longer race run on that tyre and and overlay the the degradation rate of the tyre, which is, I gather, what this is all about. Um, Trying to create a tyre that has huge degradation because I think that's where the, the racing... Um, will improve for the category and, and the show will improve. And um, if the tyre drops off a cliff quicker, it means it punishes drivers that don't look after their tyre. Their and, and then we see, you know, a big variation in speed
2: late in the stints, which is generally where we see a lot of action, which is what the category wants. Yeah. So when you finish your test next week, um, then you obviously go into your off-season season what do you do from a training perspective to keep yourself in shape? Um, because the first race is not till, you know, probably February, I'd say. So how you keep yourself in shape for the next two and a bit, two and a bit months? Yeah, definitely. No, I've sort of got a pretty uh, full-on program ahead of me already for the
1: off-season. Um, Rihanna and I were training for a big half Ironman this coming up weekend, but I've just had to pull out of that now at the last minute just because of um, some team commitments. Um, so I've been training really hard anyway, and, and certainly for me, uh, with this opportunity coming up, um, you know, I'm not really that keen on any big holidays. You know, I've I've had too much time at home on the couch as it is this year. So for me, it's uh yeah, just going to be an intense off season, just getting myself in as good shape as I possibly can um, try and get myself, you know, absolutely at my peak fitness and uh, I can't wait. So no, I'll be pretty much hanging around home. We'll do a couple of family trips over to Perth for Rihanna's family and Hopefully I get to see my family in, in Victoria, whether they can come up here. Hopefully these Queensland borders open to Victoria um, or otherwise I go down there because I haven't seen my family since March, Albert Park actually. So uh, yeah, so a uh, couple of little trips, family things, but besides that, we'll just be home here and I'll be getting the go-kart out um, and I'll just be out doing triathlons and just getting myself ready. The good thing is the workshops only 20 minutes from home up in Yatla, Dick Johnson racing. So. To be so close to the workshop as well um, is exciting for me. I'm I'm in there any opportunity I can at the moment um, because, as I said, it's just all about settling in and and getting to know the
2: team. So I'll be spending lots of time at the factory. Let's finish off with Bathurst. Uh, P2 ran so close. Your biggest race of the year turned out to be, but finished second. uh, So close to getting a number three Peter Brock trophy. Uh, How are your feelings after that race? (laughs) Um... Mixed emotions, really.
1: I mean, any day you can finish second at Bathurst and, um, you know, it's a good day. The The performance of the team was, was really um, extraordinary. It was a real pleasure to be a part of, to be honest. Such a well-executed uh, four days. And you just can only applaud 97 because they were that little bit better. So at the end of the day, I think the battle between us and them was was absolutely awesome. No one blinks. I mean, we didn't make one single mistake through Cam and I, the car speed, um, our whole build up to the race and the pit stops, the guys in the crew were just, were awesome. It was faultless. And it's it's very rare you, you have all of those elements and you don't win the race. So yeah, you know, knowing how close we were to get that third trophy was, yeah, we, we all felt a little little bit numb at the end but at the end of the day, we also knew we'd all performed at a really high level and we did everything we could. So there was no mistakes that lost cost us the win. Um, it was just a really high level race where a couple of little things just didn't quite roll our way um, in the mid part of the race. And that, that's the way it goes. So no, awesome day, awesome race, and um, second's a great result. But yeah, we, we were also, you know, just felt a, li- a little bit disappointed.
2: Well, year 10, of the Doric Racing World Davidson Partnership might not have gone as we hoped, but year 11 looks like uh, a pretty exciting one, mate. So we uh, wanted to say congratulations on that and we can't wait for 2021, mate. Yeah, thank you, Tom. And yeah,
1: obviously my, my, my loyal supporters, like I've said, and it uh, means a world to me this year when it's been, you know, had some tough moments, but to know I've got the support of, um, you know, ALG and Doric and Cowdroy. Um, in times when your back's against the wall, um, you know, it really means a lot because, um, you know, now I feel like this opportunity is, you know, a good way to repay you guys as well and we can enjoy some success together. So, uh, yeah, I think everything happens for a reason. And, uh, yeah, whatever happened this year, if it didn't happen, maybe I wouldn't be in this great
2: position I'm in now. So uh, it's a good lesson in that. All right, mate. Get, get inside and get in that car next week and I'll talk to you soon. Bring it on! Cheers, Tommy.
3: Bye,
0: All guys. right, joining me for chat, Richard Crail. How are you, buddy? Hey, mate. I'm good.
4: What are we? Uh, what are we talking about this week, Shabeks?
0: Well, no, it's sort of. It's been a busy off season, but it's been yeah. quietish as well. I suppose the big thing from Supercars' point of view is that we finally have the naming of the drivers for Dick Johnson racing for 2021 mm. and no surprise, Anton De Pasquale and Will Davison get the gig. And I'm really, really wrapped for Will that he goes back to his roots.
4: Yeah, I am too. It's it's a good story. Um, and it's good for that team as well. I, I think to be honest though, those, those cars are properly good. Um, so if you're a half capable driver, you're probably going to go all right. I, I reckon the big story with the fullest respect to Will and Anton, obviously I say that the big story I think is that the team has confirmed that Ludo LaCroix will stay. Yes. So, and, and he has been a team isn't built off the back of one person, but he's certainly a massive influence. Uh, and he's been a huge role in engineering Scotty to two of the three championships. And then, Playing a, a more broader role this year um, from a, from an overall team point of view. So th- I think that's a, a, as big a signing, perhaps from a DJR perspective, as locking in Will Davo and Anton Di Pasquale are. But, but it's a good balance, isn't it? And, and in those two drivers, they've got guys that are both now very experienced. You've got one at one end of the spectrum who's been in the sport for a long time. He's a Bathurst winner, he's a proven frontrunner in the championship one of the most consistent guys, very good with sponsors, very good commercially. He's got good brand recognition. So he's a name. People know the name Davison. Um, And then on the other side, you've got a young gun who has been touted for a long time since his super two days of being the next big thing or one of the next big things in our sport. So all of a sudden, you've got a, a great mix of youth and experience in your two cars. And I think that puts DJR, along with their consistency from this year, in a really good position to pick up where they left off and be a competitive force from the first round of the championship in 2021, whenever and wherever that may be.
0: And we've spoken about this in the last couple of weeks, but DJR effectively don't lose too much, do they? Apart from a a fair bit of cash from Rod penske which yeah, I well, think he hadn't really though? put into the team, has he?
4: Well, I, I think recently. And and look, we're only speculating, and and we'll get people from the team on later in the year to have a chat but the the in, initial impact from roger penske came in that cash injection they needed yep to get the good people to get the gear up to date and the best stuff you could possibly buy both from a workshop point of view from a race team point of view pit stops everything like that so it was that initial spend, but i don't think roger chips in an enormous amount out of his own back pocket certainly not to supercars um that's why the the reason he's so successful is that he leverages all of his commercial deals so very well Mm. Uh, like bringing ford back into the sport like bringing shell v power and viva australia back into the sport in a big way and all the other brands that are involved in that program so they pay for it which i think is fantastic and from what we understand, all of those brands are committed to going on. And and even Penske will remain a partner of the team from a sponsorship capacity going forward to help leverage some of those things. So from a budget point of view, I don't think it's a massive loss. The the question I would ask in reaction to that is does triple eight losing Holden's money affect them more than DJR losing Roger Penske's money? I don't know.
0: Having said that, we know that Triple Eight have just signed Ampol mm. on, so one would think that they've kept Red Bull. Yeah. So one would think that hopefully it's just a straight swap. Is it a them. like for
4: like Ampol via the Caltex brand that they were before have always been involved in T8. So, do they step up? Um, are they tipping more money in? We'll never know. What it is a positive sign though, isn't it that that there's if you're good enough, there's sponsorship there to be had yep. still despite everything we've been through. Cause I think one of the concerns from a triple eight point of view was, would they replace Holden? Would they be able to replace Holden? What's their long-term plan red bulls towards the end of their agreement. So will they continue onwards? They're a, a team in transition as well, because we don't expect Jamie to be there as a driver for an enormous amount of time, certainly maybe one or two full-time seasons and that would be it. Um, but it's positive that these announcements and these teams can continue to function as we head into a year when, while the capital outlay to upgrade to gen three will be large in theory, the running costs will be significantly less expensive. So Not that before, haven't we? Well, we have, but they balls it up last time. Let's hope <laughs> this time they actually get it right. And <laughs> But they have to, don't they? Like Yeah, they do. They can't they do. get it wrong. So I think it's positive. I, I think, it's, it's decent signs that if you're strong commercially, you're in a reasonable position despite the, the state of the current market.
0: Having said that, this year is probably one of the first years in a while that we've actually seen the majority of cars, If when I say majority, I actually mean all the cars, actually carry a decent amount of sponsorship on them. We hmm. haven't had any plain white cars go through the supercar field this year or minimal sponsors or the like. Every car has had, had a decent sponsorship. Uh, every race in, and in a year where there's been so much turmoil, mm. that's not a bad sign, as you said. Well,
4: when we spoke in late March, I think we would have been okay and not okay. It would have been terrible, but I think we would have accepted it as a win. If maybe 25% of the field lost their major sponsors. Mm. I think at the start of this crisis, if we sat down and went, okay, well, 25% of the major back is going to pull the pin. But if it was only 25%, I think you'd walk away from that going, okay, we've dodged a bullet there. It could have been all of them, but really Milwaukee, at least overtly are the only brand that's gone yeah. now nah, where we, we can't do this anymore. So that's incredibly promising. Look, it, it, the commercial side's so murky. You never know what the figures are. So you you don't know how much a penwright is putting into Erebus, for example. And, how much Betty's still putting in out of her own pocket. Um, You don't know how much um, I'm trying to think of another example. Triple eight exist on sponsorship. So that's a, that's a a fact that they're, they're fully backed for the most part. And the same would go for, for Dick Johnson racing, but there are other teams there that, that derive revenue sources from other. Well, yeah. Erwin, how much is Charlie putting in to, to both of those cars? Are they full budget? We don't know what's a full budget is a full budget 600 grand or is a full budget 1.2 million, which is mm. it, it probably should be. If if it's 600 grand, then there's more money coming from somewhere else to, he- to help keep the thing afloat because it costs more than that to run a car for the year. Yeah. So you don't know, but you're right. Visually, all the cars being stick it up, all the cars having branding, all the cars having quite decent sponsorship on them and, and reputable brands and good brands is fantastic for the sport and, and as visually it looks like everyone's sponsored, then that's only a positive thing in trying to go and sell more because it looks like these brands are involved. Even if they're tipping in 50 grand and a carton of beer, at least it looks like they're in, in a big way.
0: not to be a good carton of beer. Let me tell you. Well, uh, the other thing is also uh, let's not undervalue. And I know we haven't, and I know we don't, and I know we won't mm. undervalue the channel seven, portion of this coverage of supercars for next year. And the cross promotion Mm. comes with channel seven through their AFL coverage, their big bash coverage, all that sort of stuff, test cricket coverage Mm. that they, and, and they're very well rated TV programs. There's going to be a lot of that happening and the value of cars being seen on the screen more than just on a Friday, Saturday and Sunday on race weekends. Mm is going to be immense.
4: Yeah, I think that's pretty significant, Shebex, moving forward. Uh, the the seven deal on paper looks pretty good. Six free-to-air events throughout the year, highlights, the plus seven stuff or seven plus on the streaming app is positive. But I, I think long-term, you're right, the, the benefits will pay off as we get into that relationship. And you'll have Will Davison pop up on Friday Night Football. Cheering. I think he's an yes. Essendon supporter, isn't he? Um, uh, yeah,
0: probably, yeah.
4: Uh, I, I think he, I don't know why I think that, but I think he is. Um, or Brianna on, w- back in the West Coast Eagles or whatever it might be. Um, I know Scotty was a Western Bulldogs he supporter. Was. So, um, I probably still is, even though he's in the States. So, you'll have someone from the paddock pop up on Friday Night Football, which is week in, week out, the highest rated period of Australian TV, generally. Yep. Um going, Hey, supercars are on next weekend. Tune in on seven. How good's this? Here's a driver, have a chat halftime, whatever it might be that value, that cross promotion is great. But then it's also the lifestyle stuff and it's the better homes and gardens and let, let's go and renovate a driver's backyard or let's go see Nick Perkatt and, and the dogs. Um, it, it's that crossover potential yes, that seven correct. has got with these high rated programs. And it's the highest rated network in Australia at the moment that will be incredibly valuable. And that's where the value in that TV deal lies is the cross promotional benefit. And, and you're the evidence of this. And, and I don't want to talk down about channel 10, but they're in a really bad rut at the moment. Yep. And they don't have an audience. And the proof of that was the Melbourne cup last week, lowest audience in history for the Melbourne cup, 1.8 million nationally backless 1000 had 1.5 so the race that stops the nation quote unquote didn't really stop it this year relative to our own biggest race Mm. but 3.9 million people watch the afl grand final so that's the difference so would you rather have your series being promoted in a show that's reaching 4 million people or less than two and the answer to everybody is the afl portion so that's that's where the seven thing works i think and um, they've jumped on seven or seven has jumped on supercars at the right time for that relationship to really bear fruit moving forward and and all of the team's commercial departments will be selling that
0: yeah element, no, sure. there's no doubt about that And i think we should also mention too that uh, rugby union has signed a one-year deal with stan and mm. nine for 2021 at the value of 30 million dollars so we've spoken about this for a long time and we even put it as a possibility if that wasn't if there wasn't a serious tv deal mm. that maybe a streaming service would step up and tape supercars we're finally seeing a major streaming service such as stan which of course competes with netflix and amazon prime mm. and the like actually dip into the world of sport and one would only think that this is just going to be bigger and better with stan i think announcing that they will have a dedicated sports channel
4: yeah, that you know that it didn't surprise me so much. The dollar figure rugby got surprised me. I didn't think they get thirty million because they're a basket case at the moment. They are just horrible, and their ratings are not good. And even the Bledisloe that's been ongoing has has not rated particularly well for Ten and Fox. Um, yeah, that, that's an interesting one. I I agree with you. There's a there's a story on the race talk I wrote yesterday on well, Monday, talking along those lines that that it's a key. Indicated that the streaming stuff is coming. So the interesting thing about that rugby announcement for mine was that it it wasn't so much Channel Nine trumpeting that they've got the rights.
0: It was Stan. it was
4: it was Channel Nine going, "Hey, our, our pay streaming service yeah. has got the rights.
0: We're going to piggyback off them."
4: Uh huh. So yeah. they'll show the Wallaby stuff free to air on Nine, but they will smash in every single one of those broadcasts. Hey, if you want to see more of the rugby championship, if you want to see uh, super rugby games, New Zealand playing whoever, um, or New South Wales v Victoria or whoever, Queensland, I don't know much about rugby and it probably sounds like it, but um, you need to go and subscribe to Stan and watch that. In the same way that Amazon Prime goes, if you want to watch The Mandalorian, uh, Disney Plus, sorry. If, if you want to watch The Mandalorian, you have to pay for our subscription. It's the only way you can stream that show the yeah, show great. that everyone wants to watch. And Disney Plus, it's the same. If you want to watch a Marvel movie, they've gone from Fox. They're not on free-to-air. If you want to watch it, Disney Plus, pay for it. So that's what these streaming services do. And sport is a key driver for that. Look at KO, mate. You got 600,000 subscribers at 25 bucks a month. Yeah. Like that thing's viable all of a sudden. Because they've got supercars, they've got cricket, they've got AFL, they've got NRL, and they've got the digital rights for them. And I reckon in five years, when the supercar TV deal comes up, this year's TV deal starts next year, was Channel Seven and Fox Sports. I reckon in five years it'll be KO and Seven Plus. Yeah. The 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 network side of it will be secondary. I think the digital side will be taking advantage or taking the headlines. When it comes to a broadcast, well, point of view. we've
0: definitely seen it happening in the states with sports. Mm. Major League Baseball actually have an affiliation, I think it is with uh YouTube, yes, in regards to playing specific games that are exclusive yep. to YouTube. So, we're starting to see in the last couple of years major sport provide their services to streaming services, yep. and to an extent, even the EPL, I suppose, here in Australia is Optus Vision well, Optus- is a streaming service isn't it it has been yeah. for a
4: couple of years yeah yeah it has that was the first one but because the EPL's got a it's got a cult following here but it's not big by any extent yeah. it's not a mainstream sport it was probably probably didn't really pop up on the radar but Optus clearly they're still spending money on it i think they've just renewed their deal so clearly it's valuable for them clearly they've got subscribers out of it which is the whole idea this is why Fox continue to chase supercars is because it brings subscribers to their platform. Yep. And, it, and it bring if it doesn't bring you to a Foxtel box, it brings you to a KO subscription. So either way, they win. It's money in their pocket. That's great.
0: Are organisations, sporting organisations, just a little bit scared about the possibility of what the outcome might be? And I'm talking about the fact that we've seen over in America that multiple stations run different, run sports. So the NBL runs across Fox, CBS, uh, they have... NBA. NBA, yeah. sorry, uh, run their different... I think even NASCAR might have different stations showing different events. Will we ever see a situation here where supercars may exclusively sell Bathurst to one network, sell these races to that network and those races to another?
4: Um, yeah, I don't know. Um. I'm actually just Googling NASCAR TV deal to talk about that because their, their deal split across Fox and NBC. Yep. So it's, it's a significant amount of money between the two of them. So Fox has the opening portion of the championship. NBC has the second half. Um, so it's $4.5 billion. Jeez. I think it is for the NBC component and another two with Fox. So, but it, ma- massive market. It's ridiculously more. And
0: NBC get Daytona, do they, for their four point five?
4: No, the Fox have Daytona because it's really? the start of the season. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay.
4: Yeah. Um, back in the day, you, Daytona used to alternate year to year. So Fox, um, there was there was a period. So two thousand and four five, uh, it was Fox, CBS, and NBC all had NASCAR rights. Yeah. So they all and they alternate Daytona. And then they'd have their chunks of the season. Look, I, I don't know. I If I was Supercars, and I'm far from a media rights dealer, but I follow it very closely, so I've got a vague understanding. I, I don't think you'd split your biggest event from the rest of the championship because I don't think the rest of the championship is worth anywhere near what Bathurst is worth. And I mean that as in if the Supercars TV deal is $40 million a year, which is what we think it is, then Bathurst is probably... Twenty million of that forty, yeah, and all of the other events are the rest of the twenty. I would have thought, because Bathurst outrates everything by two to one, and it is one of the biggest sporting events on Australian TV, and and broadcasters and networks love Bathurst because it's a long broadcast. It's six hours of motor racing, yes, correct, and it rates from start to finish. So that's why it's so big. I I don't think you'd see it split. I think what will change is the breakdown between what's on terrestrial television and what's on a streaming app uh, and, and how that changes in the future because terrestrial TV is going to change.
0: In Europe or around the world who may be listening to us through the radio show Limited's RS one, an explanation of what Richard's talking about is the fact that we also have laws over here called anti siphoning laws, Mm. which mean that major events for major sport need to be shown on free to air TV and my understanding is as a Bathurst definitely is one of those events.
4: Yeah, the motorsport events on the anti-siphoning list are the Bathurst 1000 and the Australian Grand Prix and the Australian MotoGP. Yeah. So they're the three. Um, outside of that, it's free-for-all. So those three events must be shown on publicly available free-to-air television. So whatever deal they do with subscription TV or streaming, it doesn't matter. That's great. But it has to be available on a free-to-air network. Uh, otherwise, they're in breach of government law. But how long is that going to last? Well, because that's the question, isn't it? as ratings continue to slip for free-to-air broadcasters... As and people as the landscape
0: in, of media changes as well. Well, 100%. Significantly.
4: Yeah, definitely. So what... I, I would, I, I need to look into it. But what if Channel 7 come along and go, right, we're not going to show it on our broadcast network at all, but it's going to be on our app. Yeah. Does that count?
0: Yeah. I do not know. Have thought
4: so. I, neither would I neither right, I, but it is still free to view because the plus seven app is free. You can, so what you Channel might find then
0: app. is that they give it to a station like SBS for free, just so it's not free to wear. And we've seen that happen, especially in regards to uh, the world game, soccer yeah. or football. We've seen SBS and the ABC just being handed events yeah, for free, just so they get that free to wear component.
4: Yeah. Uh, to tick the box. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah it, it, it's interesting, but it's going to change. And, and, Regulations have to keep up with the changing media landscape Um, because I guarantee you if Facebook or YouTube or Google or Twitch or somebody else comes along and offers a wad of cash to a major sporting organization, they're going to take it. Yeah. And at some point legislation is going to have to catch up to the way that sport is covered. So anti-siphoning is great and it ensures that those major sporting events, both the motorsport ones we talked about and the football codes and their major finals and things like that, are protected and that everybody can watch them. It's going to change though, because TV is going to be less and less of a go to for people to watch. And it will be on your mobile phone, on your tablet, on your smart TV, watching when you want, where you want it, how you want to watch it. Um, and it will be up, that will be the metric. From how ratings are judged and that will be how TV deals are negotiated moving forward. It might not be five years in the future, but certainly within a a decade, streaming is just going to take over. It's it's massive already.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. We should also mention too that, uh, of course, earlier on in the podcast, we heard uh, Will Davison speaking to Tom from Doric. And uh, one of the answers I thought was good for Will is the fact that he's going to get an opportunity to drive one of these Mustangs in the next couple of weeks is himself yeah. and Jamie Winkup take part in a soft tire evaluation at QR. So we've, we spoke to Dunlop earlier in the year about yes. the possibility of a super, super, super soft tire coming on board. And yeah. this is what we're looking for.
4: Yeah. So yeah, win, win there. Um, they get a pretty cagey guy. guys raced on the Dunlops since they introduced the Dunlop control tire, basically. So this is a guy that knows, Will Davo knows the Dunlop tyre. He understands the dynamics of the tyre, the behaviour, the wear, the degradation. But what a, what a leg up this is for Wilbo to get into a DJR Mustang and work out its differences from the Tickford car that he raced at Bathurst. So perfect way to get a leg up without ruining a test day or wasting a test day in, um, as he talked about in that chat, in getting things like your seat and your comfort and the ergonomics right he can just jump in that car, they can do all that and he can go and spend a day in the car yeah. working it out. So by the time they get to round one next year, they'll be right on the money and good to go. Yeah, good news, like it. And and look, ultimately, you know, there'll probably be some people complain about it and I imagine social media will have a win job, favouritism towards the teams, blah, blah, blah. But it's good for the sport in that it means that he's going to be competitive from race one next year.
0: Basically. Exactly. So there's there's no downside
4: and you want your best teams giving Dunlop the feedback. So you want Ludo talking to Kevy saying, this is what we saw from an engineering point of view. You want Dave Couchy and Grant McPherson and all the guys from triple eight doing the same thing. Like that's what Dunlop want. The fact those two teams are Queensland based helps the cause, but they want that guru feedback. I'm not saying they couldn't get that from Brad Jones racing at Winton But your two peak teams running the new tyre, it it makes a lot of sense from a Dunlop point of view, from a Supercars point of view. And I think from us, it just assures that they're going to be competitive next year and, um, yeah, good stuff.
0: And while there might be feedback going from the teams to Dunlop, we do know that Dunlop will not be providing any of the data to the teams. So
4: that's fair. No, so Supercars are smart enough now. They've been doing this long enough that they know how to manage this. Yeah. So while seat time is incredibly valuable and there's no doubt Will Davo will get a benefit from being in that car for a day even if he can't troll over the data and look through everything that he's got he'll,
0: um, he'll feel
4: he'll feel, feel it through his backside because yeah. he's been doing it for 15 years so he understands but supercars are smart enough that they're not they're not going to give a team a massive leg up in a parity sport where everyone's supposed to have the same gear they're not going to let that happen. So yeah. I'm pretty confident in their ability to manage that, especially after the year we've had Shebex where the parody was, it wasn't talked about. We did not talk about parody all year.
0: No, exactly. Which, which was, was
4: fantastic. Refreshing. It was great yeah. because it, it was not an issue. There was nothing between them. Look yeah. at the finish of the Backus 1000. Yep. Yeah. It was a Commodore and a Mustang trading fastest laps with two laps to go in the great race. There was nothing wrong with the parody. No,
0: nothing at all. This year, which is fantastic. Great news coming out in the last couple of days that the uh, Motorsport Australia Festival, the Shannon's Motorsport Australia Festival at Sandown looks like it's a, a goer and will happen. And fantastic news that it's going to be uh, supported by Porsche, Pace and Michelin Cup cars uh, over the couple of days, which is great.
4: Yeah, so a joint field of Australia's two top one mate categories. So both uh, the Carrera Cup Australia and Sprint Challenge will run on the same grid so uh, sand down grid density from my top of the head thinking is 38 so there could be 38 cup cars on the grid which would be enormous yeah so there'll be four classes pro in Carrera Cup and Sprint Challenge and Pro-Am in both as well yeah it's going to be good Um I'm very very hopeful that the borders open in time so I can get across to it Chevex because uh, I think that will be a, a really cool experience and just a After a tough year, um, Carrera Cup hasn't raced since the 12th of March at the Grand Prix. They were literally the last national championship car race to be held in Australia this year. Yeah. Outside of supercars, which is pretty remarkable when you think about it. So it's going to be a big thing. Great way just to get teams and drivers and cars on track for one round, blow out the cobwebs, um, get, get things happening before the off season, before we roll into next year. Yeah. Looking good. There's a, Good uh, field of open wheelers being gathered for that. I spoke to my old mate, Tim Macro, who was on the show earlier this year, uh, earlier today, actually, and and quizzed him on that. And he's got a field of um, wings and slicks cars and sports cars that will be out there as well. So the MG Car Club, who's organizing the event, has got him on board with that. There's going to be some regularities, Porsche 944 challenges there, which is one of my favorite categories for obvious reasons. Looking forward to that. So it's going to be good, Shabeks. Um, a really good way to um, just hopefully round out the year with a with a nice race meeting, get some cars on the racetrack, and and give some the the beleaguered Victorians something to do at a racetrack. Finally, after what's been a pretty horrible time,
0: pretty happy about that. Finally, mate. Before we let you go, we should also mention too that NASCAR wrapped up their season last weekend, and uh, congratulations to Chase Elliott yeah. as we heard uh, the plumber pete the plumber earlier on in our news segment <laughs> declared that he told us all it was going to happen it certainly did
4: yeah great story isn't it and um
0: is it pete the plumber i can't remember yeah
4: i don't know i haven't i haven't listened to it yet as we uh, as we talk um yeah what a what a fantastic story second generation driver um son of million dollar bill bill elliott who i think in uh, won the championship in 1988, 87, I think it was, won the big super speedway races. Um, it, it's a fantastic story uh, for him to to win that championship. One of the young guys fought it out and and won it by performing in the final in their knockout system that they've got. And and you have to continue to perform. And it never ceases to amaze me, Shebex, that at one point in that race at Phoenix, all four of the contenders, the four remaining contenders that could win the title were running nose to tail, but they're at the front of the field. It's just amazing how it works out and, and conspiracy theorists as they do, especially in America at the moment had popped up going, Oh, it's got to be rigged. NASCAR must've told everyone to slow down. But if you're thinking that you haven't watched much NASCAR, have you? Because those guys race real hard. Um, But it's just, they, they were at the end, the four best guys, at the final race and they fought out the championship, which was awesome. Also worth noting Shebex, Jimmy Johnson waves the checkered flag on his remarkable career. Yeah. Seven time champion, the goat of NASCAR in terms of all time success statistically. And I think history will recall how well he's driven over the years. So a remarkable run of success. And uh, he goes now to chase a dream in IndyCar racing next year with Chip Ganassi racing, which is hugely exciting.
0: It's such a shame, though, that Chase won this year. We were robbed of the headline, Chase wins the chase.
4: Well, he did win the chase, though.
0: Well, no, don't they call it the playoffs now or something?
4: Well, it's the playoffs, but why will we rob this year, though? It's oh, been the playoffs for a couple of years. Oh, well, it hasn't it's... been the chase for a couple of years now.
0: I know, but it would have been nice. I like, where you're, I like yeah. where you're going. I like where you're
4: going. I appreciate the effort you put into thinking about that.
0: Oh, no, it didn't take too much though. No, no, I can't <laughs> <worry> <laughs> <laughs> right, always great to catch up
4: yep good uh yeah uh, it's a strange week isn't it because there's been so much news in this off season but just the way it's landed um we've i think it's off. a calm
0: before the storm i'm sure that when we catch up next week we will have a 2021 schedule to talk you about reckon? yeah well okay from our what understanding about, um, it was only a week or so away last week and i think probably adelaide threw things a little bit into confusion there but I reckon probably in the next week or in the next few days, I reckon we'll see something.
4: Yeah. I'm not, uh, I'm not shocked about that. That that would be good. Be nice to break down. Uh, And do we find out what happens to one D Reynolds, who is now arguably the biggest linchpin of this silly season? What do you think? I think he goes.
0: Yeah, I think he does too.
4: I think he goes for sure. Um, Where he goes. I've got no idea.
0: Which makes an absolute mockery of the 10-year contract.
4: It does, doesn't it? Well, that will be the biggest question of all of us. It's going to be the question. Yeah. If he goes, and it's not confirmed yet, but I think the industry thinks he's gone. So it's going to be good. And next week I will have have some news of an adventure I'm going on later this month. Ooh. That involves me driving a racing car, so that's incredibly terrifying.
0: Ooh, for other people. Look forward to that. Yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you about that. up and cameraed up.
4: Yeah, there, yeah. There'll there'll be audio. I, I don't know how much of it will be playable, but it's happening. Yeah. So ne- we'll talk about that next week. We might maybe if you're
0: screaming with a high pitched voice. I don't want it.
4: No, no. The the gentleman, brave soul, providing me with the car. Uh, to drive is an avid listener of On the Grid, yeah, and a subscriber. Uh, so maybe we need to get him on to explain why he's willing to let this happen. Maybe we'll talk about that next week.
0: Yes, but it's happening.
4: I will be driving something, I need to do an answer. I'm doing it for the show.
0: All right, fantastic, excellent. Yeah,
4: Yeah. it's got nothing to do with my own personal self gratification,
0: (laughs) not at all. Not never if you wanted to race a race car, No. no, no. All right, buddy. Talk next week. Ciao. Crowley joining us here. Stick around because coming up after this little music sting, Dale Rogers talking Formula One.
3: Hey Tony, this weekend the Turkish Grand Prix returns to the Formula 1 calendar at the ultra-fast circuit in Turkey. First year's back in 2005, 5.3 kilometre circuit. Uh, As we've said before, one of the circuits we love, undulating fast, some ripper corners, uh, downhill into 1 and 2, that fantastic turn 8, flat out turn 8. And, of course, up to Turn 12, where in 2010, Sebastian Vettel and Mark Webber probably started their divorce proceedings when they took each other out. Hamilton sits on the verge of a seventh title. Uh, He can be champion this weekend. He needs to be about 78 points in front of Bottas. He's 85 currently, so it's really in Bottas' hands to whether he can take the championship up to Hamilton. An anti-clockwise circuit again. Uh, Only three this year. We're last, uh, last, uh, last time out, Turkey and Abu Dhabi. And with that Turn 8, there is obviously some pressures on the drivers. Uh, It'll be interesting to see those cars absolutely flat out through that section of track. It's also the fifth new track of 2020, uh, but sadly, uh, a lot of those tracks won't be used again in 2021. The calendar just being announced today, it looks very much like a pretty normal calendar for Formula 1, Saudi Arabia being the the one to to be added. Interesting in the points standing, though, is that, and this is quite fascinating, in the the Constructors' Championship, Mercedes have 479 points to Red Bull's 226. So if you actually remove Valtteri Bottas' 197 points, uh, Mercedes still have 282, which means that Hamilton has beaten every other team in the field just with his own points haul alone. Uh, and the drivers' championship, fantastic battle uh, in the uh, for the miners, I guess. Uh, Danny Ricardo at 95, uh, Leclerc on 85, and Perez on 82. Uh, so that battle's really hot for fourth place in the championship, but more so in the, in the Constructors' championship, Tony, is the uh, Renault 135, uh, McLaren on 134, and Racing Point on 134. And it shows the importance now for Racing Point particularly to get, uh, uh, to get Lance Stroll back in gear, and his performances of late have been questionable. Uh, he certainly will have that seat, of course, because Dad owns the team. Um, But, uh, you know, and also Orcon uh, DNFs. So a fantastic battle. Unfortunately, not so much at the the front end. Max Verstappen uh, really took it to the Mercedes cars at Imola. And uh, we saw that massive wheel failure, uh, rear wheel failure for Max there. So let's hope that Red Bull can take it up to Mercedes. But I guess the eyes are going to be on whether Lewis can wrap up his seventh world title in Turkey this weekend. Back to you in the studio, Tone.
0: Thank you, Dale. That's another episode of On The Grid wrapped up and locked in the can. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you again next week right here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1.